We were created by God to know him, to enjoy him forever. We were created by God to live in an understanding that he is the true God, the only God, the king of all, the creator of all, almighty God. We were created by God and our forefathers, our forefather and mother, Adam and Eve, were placed in a garden. We were placed in the most perfect place the world has ever known. And it was just them and it was just God and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. So much so there was no squabbling between the two. There was no bickering. There was no argument. It says that they were naked and ashamed and unafraid, but then they introduced sin into the world. Maybe you'll remember with me Genesis chapter 2. God has created Adam. He has yet to create Eve. But it says there in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. He said to the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. That was it. That was the command. Adam, Eve, I've placed you here to be fruitful and to multiply. I've placed you here in this garden to, to cultivate and to keep the land, to work the land that I have made to subdue it, to make it grow the fruit that it was designed to grow, to, to, to nourish yourselves, to nourish the animals, to, to be my representative rulers but just do not eat of the tree of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die last week we saw just some of the far reach of that death as their son Cain killed his brother Abel but we also saw the beauty of God's promise in giving to Adam and Eve another son, Seth, one that would be the, to, to lead to the fulfillment of the promise of God that of the seed of the woman, one would come that would crush the head of the serpent. So it's in that I ask you to join me in Genesis chapter 5. We're going to look at all of Genesis chapter 5 today, so all 32 verses in their entirety. But for the time being, we're just going to read the first uh, this the first five, and it says this in Genesis 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him, he made man in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and he blessed them and named them man in the day that they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Then the days of Adam, after he became the father of Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Let's pray together. Father, simple command given in your word. 
to be fruitful and to multiply, to subdue the earth, to cultivate it, to keep it, but to do so within the parameters you have set, to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then your promise that they would die if they did. Father, right in the middle of the command to multiply was the warning of death. And Lord, today we live in the shadow of that death. We live in the, in the, in the wake of that death. We live with the grappling reality of death. But Father, we also live in the beautiful glory of King Jesus. So Father, this morning I pray that you would show us in your word, your purpose, your plan for how we become more like you, how we overcome death and its power, how we can multiply and fill the earth with righteous sons and daughters of the King. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You ever do something you were told not to do? Okay, every one of you should be doing this right here, right now, right? Every, kids, children, I'm, the kids are sitting there going, I'm not admitting to that because mom or dad's going to whoop me when I get home if I admit. We, we've, we've all done it, right? That doesn't, that doesn't placate it. That doesn't, that's one of those Lewis words, sorry. That doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make it okay. But it's a reality where you and I live. We do things that we were told not to do. Adam was told not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that he ate of it, he would die. And we, we, we fast forward a little bit because we know that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But nothing seemed to physically happened to them right then except for their awareness that they were now naked and they tried to hide themselves they tried to cover themselves with some man-made coverings which if anybody's ever tried to hide from mama when things have gone wrong you know you can't hide from mama and how much less you can hide from God and then we see the sin of Cain and as he murders his brother and we see the generations go from there. And we see the promise of Seth. But, but we come to this passage of scripture. In chapter five of the book of Genesis is one where, where most of us, we can, we can be real for just a second. It's the one if we're doing the daily Bible reading plan and trying to read through the Bible in a year or reading the chapters. We come to a chapter like chapter five and we're like, well, I'll just go ahead and skip over this one. Because the, the, the series of chapter five, it, it goes this way. There are 10 generations, there are 10 listings here. This is, this is a generational section to get from Adam to Noah. And it goes like this. When Adam lived 130 years, he became the father. And he lived this much longer, and then he died. And Seth lived this year, and he became a father. And after that, he lived this many years, and he died. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. And he was taken, but then he died, and then he died. And we're left with Noah. And if we're, if we're being real, when we get to these genealogies in the Bible, we either want to skip them or if we're going to plow through and read them, we're reading them like this. All right, I got to stand up to read this one because I'm falling asleep, right? But we don't want 
to skip over these because they teach us some very important things about the work of God in redeeming us. The work of God in drawing us closer to the one who would forever end the curse. And so we've got a couple of things we want to uh, uncover here as, as we look at this passage of scripture. And then we're going to come back as we've been doing the last few weeks with our Genesis series. We're going to apply it to our heart. But the first thing I want you to see in this passage of scripture out of Genesis chapter five is a simple statement and that is this, death reigns. Death reigns. I, I, I wish I could simplify it even more. I wish I could soften it. I wish I could take some of the sting. You know, Paul says, hey, where is the sting of death? Well, the sting of death is sin. And time and time again, we're reminded it, it wasn't just that Cain killed Abel. It was that God made a promise to, a, to Adam that day in Genesis chapter two. If you eat from this, I promise you, you will surely die. Maybe Adam thought that God wasn't real about his promise because remember, he was standing there. Eve ate the apple. She handed it to him, he took a bite too, and right there in the middle of it, he's like, nothing happened. I'm, I'm still alive. It's different, but I'm still here, right? It's kind of like when your mama tells you not to touch the stove because you're going to get burned because it's hot, but you touch it later when it's cold, you're like, well, it's not going to burn me, that's okay. But then when it's hot, <laughs> well, it burns a little bit, right? Or this morning, I was making some pancakes in the microwave for Caleb, our youngest one. Now, anybody that's worked in our children's ministry area, especially in the toddler room, will, will verify that what I'm about to tell you is absolutely true. Caleb has no patience when it comes to food. None. He sees food, he wants food, and he wants it now. Well, when you take frozen pancakes out of the freezer and you microwave them and then you flip them over, microwave them a little bit more so that they're thawed and warm enough to eat, what happens is they actually get a little bit too hot to eat. And so with, with, with patience, you've got to understand that there's a reason mama and daddy aren't giving this to you right now because you're not ready for it. So I let Caleb touch the hot pancake this morning because he was screaming at me because he was ready to eat. You know what Caleb did? He pulled that finger back and he looked at me like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. See, it might not get you right away, but eventually sin will get you and the promise of God will come true. And Adam, it says here in this passage of scripture, I love how this, this whole thing plays out. It says that this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created him, when he created male and female, he created him in the likeness of God. He formed them and he blessed them and he named them men and he placed them there in the garden and he gave them the opportunity, the procreative responsibility to multiply. So it says that Adam had lived 130 years old. Some of our older men in the crowd, you, you might have another 50 years or so till you get to be 130, you're gonna have a baby boy? No, no. I mean, I'm 36 and having an almost 18-month-old is killing me. 
My dad was my age when I was born. I don't know how he did it. It's crazy, right? 130. And this is baby number three. God gives him a son. And notice it says, he became the father of a son after his own likeness and according to his image. You see what's happening here. The responsibility that we have as people is to continue putting the image bearers of God on this planet. That's why we come together and reproduce. That's why when we get married and when we have children, we are not just putting babies out there. These are bearers of the image of God. Adam was made after the image and likeness of God. Adam then has a son who was made after his image and his likeness, the image and likeness of God. It's a representative responsibility and a representative rule. But it stops because Adam lives another 800 years and he dies as a matter of fact it's not just Adam it says there in verse 6 that Seth lived 105 years verse 8 all the days of all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died but he had a son named Enosh it says in verse 11 the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died Enosh had a son named Kenan Kenan it says in verse 14 were 910 years and he died but he had a son named Mahalalel and Mahalalel verse 17 that he lived all of the days of him were eight 895 years and he died. Jared, where's Jared? He's just playing drums up here. Jared, it says in verse 20, all of his days were 962 years and he died. Enoch, the son of Jared, it says, ooh, check this out. Enoch walked with God and he was not for he took him. Something changed. But Enoch had a son. Enoch had a son named Methuselah. Methuselah, verse 27, all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Methuselah had a son named Lamech. Lamech lived 182 years and became the father of a son. He called his son Noah. But verse 31, all the days of Lamech were 777 and he died. Adam did not fall dead physically in the garden, but he introduced the pattern of death that would reign. Paul says it this way over in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, Just as through one man sin entered into the world, death entered through sin. And death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed, it's not counted where there is no law. But nevertheless... Death reigned from Adam until Moses. We've got a problem. We've got a serious problem. Because there is a physical death that touches each one of our lives, but it becomes a social death, and it is a spiritual death, it is an economical death, it is a political death, it is a far-reaching death because we have grown into this brokenness that surrounds all that we are and all that we do. It's not a pretty picture. And you want to say, Adam, come on, why couldn't you have just left that piece of fruit alone? After all, you had all of this. You had all of this you could have eaten, all of this you could have done. Why that one? But he did. Because he did, death reigns. But you remember there was that little interruption 
It says over there in verse 21 that Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And then we go down just a little bit further. We go just a little bit further and we have this guy named Noah. Noah's name sounds a whole lot like the word for peace in Hebrew. And it said of him, his father says, this is the one, verse 29, who will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground, which the Lord has cursed. And over in chapter six, it says that Noah walked with God. Of all the people in the 10 generations from Adam to Noah, there are only two people that the Bible notes that actually walked with God. After Adam, only Enoch and Noah walked with God. You see the the transgression now? Because Adam and Eve had this perfect unity, this perfect relationship, this perfect dwelling in the presence of God. They had a perfect, unbroken fellowship. But once they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they introduced a brokenness unlike any other. And it wasn't just that they were going to die. They introduced a brokenness in the relationship with God. they introduced a brokenness in the relationship with God. This is why Cain kills Abel. This is why in the generations of the Cainites in Genesis chapter four, while we get all the way down to Lamech out of the line of Cain, who says, I don't care about God. He can avenge my great-great-grandpappy Cain all he wants to. I'm gonna do it myself 77-fold. But it wasn't Seth, it wasn't Enosh, it wasn't Kenan, it wasn't Mahalel, it wasn't Jared, it wasn't Methuselah, and it wasn't Lamech out of the line of Seth that said that the Bible says they walked with God. It was Enoch and it was Noah. It is not commonplace in the broken world that has been introduced to sin and that is dwell, excuse me, where sin runs rampant for people to walk with God. It's countercultural to walk with God. That's why it's a struggle for men and women to stand up firmly for the cross of Jesus Christ and not for another side topic. We can stand up for morality without introducing the gospel more easily than we can stand up for the gospel and allow that to dictate our morality and culture. It is easy for us to align ourselves with politics or policy or social groups or social settings and go with the flow there than it is to go against those and say, well, actually what the Bible teaches is counter to this in this way. It is not commonplace for men and women, for people to walk with God in a society that breeds sin. But it says that Enoch... Enoch, for 365 years, walked with God. So much so 
So much so that it says there in the word of God, right there on your page, I'm not making this up, it's on your page, right there in verse 23, that Enoch walked with God and then he was not for God took him. God, I would have loved to see that. Enoch is one of two people in the entire Bible, in the entire of human history that does not taste physical death in this world. Him and the prophet Elisha. That chariot comes down and just takes him. He was gone. It wasn't, I wish I could have been there with Enoch to see exactly how this took place. Because we live in sci-fi world where like, you know, things, you, you, can, you can watch on movies and like things kind of disintegrate into like pixels or whatever and they're gone. I, I just, what, was, was it like an ascension? Like what Jesus had? I mean, what happened? We don't know, but it's really kind of cool to see the difference for someone who walks with God versus the rest of culture. But keep in mind, this is the line that God chose to deliver us through his son, Jesus Christ. Because it came through Seth, the second given son, excuse me, the third given son to Adam, the replacement for Abel because of Cain's sin. And he walked with God. And the third thing we get out of this passage of scripture comes out of the words of Lamech, starting in verse 28. And that is that toil tainted the blessing of God's created order. There's a a contrast that bookends this chapter. And it says there in verse one, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam and the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them and he named them man in the day that they were created. He he blessed them. He placed them in a, a garden of blessing in this garden of Eden. He placed them in this place where yes, there would be work, but it would not be toil. It would not be disastrous. It would not be harmful. But then because of Adam's sin, it all became work and it became labor and in chapter two of the book of excuse me chapter three of the book of Genesis in the curse he says by the sweat of your brow the hard work that you have to put into it this is what how you're going to eat but the ground is going to also produce thorns and thistles that are going to be a pain for you to make your labor more laborious and then Lamech says here verse 29 he called his son's name Noah saying, this one, this one will give us rest from our work. Your translation may translate that a little different way and say, this one will comfort us in our work from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. Sometimes it's exhausting just to do what we gotta do to survive, right? I've, I've talked to moms. Moms, listen, men, men, tune in for just a second. I don't care what your job is. It's harder being a mom. It, it, it's, it's harder being a mom because moms think through things and stay awake thinking about things that men, we just snore through it. We, 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 we lay down and, and, and women, and I'm not just saying this because it happens in my house. I'm saying this because I've talked to enough women in my life to know this is just a universal truth. There are things that affect women in the grazing of children that men are oblivious to. 
Men of young kids, when was the last time you took your kid anywhere and your wife calls and said, hey, did you forget to pack this or did you forget to bring this? Hey, do you have their, oh, no. It's hard work being a parent. It's hard work being a mama. That's not mean it's easy being a dad. It's easier than a lot of men think, and I'm thankful for men that stand up and say, I'm going to be a man in my family. I'm going to be a dad to my kids. I'm going to raise them because it's a whole lot better than the alternative. But that doesn't mean that your job's easy either. Easy either. Doesn't matter if you're working on a computer or you're working with your hands doing something in the land. If you're building something, if you're making something, if you're moving something, if you're shifting something, wherever, if you're connecting something, wherever your job is, it becomes labor. It becomes hard. It becomes work. It becomes difficult. And, and, and then sometimes it's like, well, the work doesn't pay what I need it to pay in order to provide the way that I need to have provision made. It becomes toil. It becomes toil because the work becomes another labor of itself, a labor of stress. And all of this is added to the mix and all this is added to, to what's going on. But in the case of the people of Adam, they are working the ground. They are working hard. They are tilling the soil. They are trying to make it produce. And it is hard work. It is difficult. It is, uh, it is, it is horrible, horrible labor for them. And finally, Lamech says, finally one will give us rest. Only one's going to do something. And he's holding a baby. Because you don't name grown men with their names. It's not like, okay, you're going to be child one until you're like 35 and I see what you're worth. And then I'm going to give you a name. Nobody does that, right? All right, I got child one, child two, child three, child four. And so we'll just see how you turn out. Then, then we'll start naming you, okay? You get the name when you're born, right? Now, some of us kind of go through the legal process of changing our names, either by marriage or we didn't like what our... There was a book when I was a kid, and in that book, there was a I Hate My Name Club. And I wanted to be a... I hate my name. I've never liked the name Evan, just so you know. I, 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 would, I would trade names with somebody right now if you will let me. I, I, just, I just never liked my name. I wanted to be a part of that club. But I've never gone through the legal process of changing it. He got his name, and Lamech says, this one's going to deliver us from the toil. Oh, if Lamech only knew what his son was going to do, how God was going to use his son, how God was going to change the world through his son for his purpose and for his glory. But, but, but what do we do with this? How do we connect this to our hearts? How do we shift from looking at the reign of death and the toil? How do we look at just two guys that are, that are working with, walking with God and, and, and apply it to where we are in 2018? Three quick things. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna work backwards. So where you had like one, two, three, we're basically gonna go three, two, one. First, God created me to enjoy his blessing. God created you and God created me to enjoy his blessing. See, Lamech sees this. I, I don't know a whole lot about Lamech except for what's written here on the page. That he had a son named, that he had a son named Noah, that he knew that Noah was going to be the one to it, somehow end this curse and bring relief, that somehow he knew and that he lived for 777 years. That's all I know about Lamech. But I, I can infer from the text that he knew that that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. 
that, that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. The sleepless nights, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the loneliness, the betrayal, that, that's not the way it was supposed to be. The unrest in your spirit, the unrest in your soul, that's not the way it was supposed to be. Look at what it says. That in the day that God created man, verse one, he made him in the likeness of God. That sets us apart from everything. That establishes something special about you and about me above everything else that was made. That we have the likeness of the image of God. We cannot get past as people. We cannot get past as Christians the significance of being made in the image of God. We cannot. We we are above the angels. We are above everything else that has been made. We are above everything. We are image bearers of God. We get to know him personally. We, we, We get to know him with joy. We get to embrace his fullness forever. Forever. Man, just, just close your eyes for a second and, and think about the fullness of God. The, the, the fullness of God. Isaiah tries really hard to explain it in and, and, and chapter six of his, of his letter, of his prophecy. And, and he says, like, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I was caught up and I had this vision of the Lord and he was seated on his throne and just the train of his robe filled the temple. And, and, and the angels were, were, were praising him three on, on each side of him. And they had, they had six wings. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they covered their eyes. And with two, they flew. And they kept proclaiming over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty over and over and over again. And that did very little to actually give us the full picture of the fullness of God and all of his splendor and all of his glory and all of his power. But God specifically designed you and designed me as his image bearers to enjoy that, to know that, to experience that. It says that he created him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. He blessed them. He he blessed them. He placed his signatory stamp on the people that he made in his image. It's pretty huge. Knowing that they would sin, knowing that they would bring brokenness into his world, knowing that he was going to have to send a rescuer, knowing that we would crucify his son, knowing that we would still walk towards our sin when we need to be walking towards righteousness, knowing that we would still elevate ourselves over others, knowing that the brokenness of the image would pervade the rest of written history, knowing all of that, he still made us in his image and his likeness and blessed us. God created you to enjoy his blessing. God created you to enjoy his blessing. And what that means? What that means is that I have the responsibility and the joyful opportunity to walk with God. I have the responsibility, you have the responsibility, we have the responsibility and the joyful opportunity to walk with God. 
We are to be Enoch's and Noah's in our day. When the rest of the world is not walking with God, we are to stand up as the followers of Christ walking with God. It is our responsibility as his image bearers in enjoying his blessing that we walk with him, but it is our joyful opportunity as followers of Christ to truly know what it means to be one who walks with God. One of my favorite verses in all scripture is Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Baptist program for kids called GAs, Girls in Action. This is their theme verse. But it says there in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and you probably, some of you may even know this one. He has shown you, man, what is, it is that the Lord requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's our responsibility and our opportunity to with joy walk humbly with God. See, the roads that you travel each and every day are not limited to Roosevelt Highway or Fayetteville Campbellton Road or 85 or 285 or the streets of your neighborhood. We know those are physical roads and streets but you, you travel different roads wherever you are in life some of them are roads of 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 relationship strain or financial hardship some of them are are roads of plenty and joy some of them are roads of uh, of abundance some of them are roads of 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 barely making it through some of them are roads of depression some of them are roads of exuberant joy some of them are roads are of health issues some of them are roads of uh you know got too many muscles to know what to do with you know and, and you know that's not me um but you're not to walk those roads alone you're not to you weren't designed you weren't created to walk in your life alone the first level, God creates other people to place around us. Notice that time and time again, it says that this person, before he died, he had this son, but then he had other sons and daughters, and then he died. There's a multiplication principle here. God surrounds us with community. God surrounds us with people because we go through life with people. But above people, we are to walk with God. We are to walk with God. It's not that, you know... I, I, I really, I really, really hate the, the Christianese phrase, God is my co-pilot. B because that says I'm in control, but then when I get to where I can't handle it or if I you know, fall asleep at the wheel, the co-pilot's gonna step in. No, no, no. If God is your co-pilot, then you are robbing God of his glory and his splendor. You've placed yourself in his place and you've said, you know what, I'm in charge of this ship and I'm gonna sail it until things get, you, you've basically allowed God to be a genie in a bottle and oh, things are wrong, gotta rub it and let the genie come out and get my wish. God's not your co-pilot. He's either the only one in the cockpit or he's not there at all. He's in the cockpit and he puts you in first class because he loves you and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you and all he asks is that you walk with him. If you're walking with him, you're walking away from evil. If you're walking with him, you're walking in light and not darkness. If you're walking with him, you're walking in joy. You're, and sometimes that doesn't mean that, that, that trouble doesn't come. And it doesn't mean that, uh, that, that oppression doesn't come. And it doesn't mean that, that, that you're always going to be chipper, 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 yeah, you know. It doesn't mean that. It means that you're going to be able to walk with joy because even in the lows, you're going to see the beauty of Christ. Because you know who is flying the plane. 
But, but then the third thing that we come to in this passage of scripture is universal for us, and that is that we hope in the end of the curse. We hope in the end of the curse. Death, death reigns in this life. But God sent one who would put an end to death. God sent his son who would take death for us. And though we may physically die, we do not taste the the pain of spiritual death because Jesus Christ stepped in on our behalf. Jesus Christ stepped in on in our position. Jesus Christ stepped in to take the punishment that was supposed to be ours. And he offers us rest. Lamech said, finally, there is one here who will give us rest. Finally, there is one here who will give us comfort. Finally, there is one here who will give us peace. But he was only a type of the true one to come who would put it into this curse, put it into this despair, put it into all the toil and all of the, all of the shame and all of the wretchedness of our our sin. He would put an end to all of it and take it away. We hope in the end of the curse because we hope in the Savior. We hope in the Christ, the Messiah, not one, not a, the only one that was given. Or as Paul says in Romans chapter five again, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned. And the like of him, uh, excuse me, likeness of the fence of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of Adam many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many." Our sin brings on death, but Jesus Christ died to rescue us from our sin. We hope in the one who ends the curse, Jesus Christ. Where have you placed your hope today? I hope you haven't placed your hope in the outcome of Tuesday. I hope you haven't placed your, out, your hope in the next paycheck. I hope you haven't placed your hope in the next big thing, but in the only one who can end the curse, Jesus Christ. Come this morning, receive him if you have never trusted that he can save you.